0: today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's my belief, and again, it's in my own
1: experience that God oftentimes will allow the storm to hit, the crisis, the affliction, the hardship, to loosen our ever-tightening grip on this world and the things of this world to ready us and to steady us for what awaits us in glory.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. Sometimes it feels like the trials in life is more than you can handle, but Pastor J.D. talks to us today. Maybe you're going through this trial to avoid an even bigger one. God allows storms in order for you to grow and turn to Him, but He will never allow trials that don't result in your growth and His glory. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Romans chapter 8 as he continues his message. Why is God allowing all this? I don't know that
1: I can stand here before you honestly and openly and say that I delight in weakness. No, I I fight. Everything in me fights against weakness. I want to be strong in my own strength. How about insults? (laughs) He, He says, I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And he explains why he delights in all of those he says for when I am weak then I am strong. I would venture to say that the Apostle Paul came to the place where he was thankful to God for not answering his prayer to remove this thorn because that thorn was a daily constant reminder of his need, his dependence upon the grace of God, the all-sufficient grace of God. You know, oftentimes you've heard that expression, we're our own worst enemy. In our own strength, we accomplish something, we experience a measure of success. And then, especially pastors, and I speak from experience as a pastor, we start thinking that it has to do with us. There's something about us in and of ourselves. And that's why we have been blessed, or our ministries have experienced a blessing in that way. And I'll tell you, God is so faithful. He's gentle too. He brings us back down to earth, so to speak with that constant reminder, as Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So whatever this thorn was, and by the way this, it had to be so intense because he describes it as this satanic messenger that constantly tortured him, tormented him. He was tormented all the time and it created within him, and I will even say that it was part and parcel to how God was able to use him. In other words, had it not been for that thorn, it is doubtful that God could have used Paul in such a mighty way as he had. I think of Charles Spurgeon. He suffered greatly physically with severe gout, and even mentally, with mental illness and severe depression. So much so, his son ascribed, listen to this, this is very interesting, his son ascribed his great suffering to his great preaching. In other words, had it not been for that thorn, Uh, there would not be the great apostle Paul. Had it not been for the great suffering, there would not be the great preaching. He was quoted as saying, his son, there was no one who could preach like my father in inexhaustible variety. Witty wisdom. It is said of Spurgeon that he had a great sense of humor. In fact, he was very a lot of humor in his preaching. The story is told that uh, after one of his sermons a lady approached him and, and took him to task about just, you know, his humor. And he responded to her by telling her, oh my dear sister, if you only knew how much I hold back when it comes to humor. But he had this witty wisdom. His son goes on, vigorous proclamation, loving, entreaty, and lucid teaching with a multitude of other qualities. He must, at least in my opinion, ever be regarded as the prince of preachers. Again, I have in my library a a writing uh, from Charles Spurgeon, really directed more towards those in the ministry that is, let's put it this way, I have to read it, (laughs) Um, at least once a month, sometimes more. It is written by a man who has tasted from this cup and knows all too well what it's like to have a thorn, be tormented, to suffer greatly, but he's also a man like the Apostle Paul before him, who embraced it and understood it, that without it, God would not have permission. I hate to say it that way, but for lack of a better way of saying it, God would not have permission to use him were it not for this suffering. Here's a quote from Spurgeon concerning his own severe depression. It said that he would be in such a state of physical illness and mental depression that he would be absent from his pulpit for three months at a time. It would get so dark and so deep. Here's uh, the quote, fits of depression come over the most of us. Cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous not always happy. There may be here and there men of iron, to whom wear and tear work no perceptible detriment, but surely the rust frets even these. And as for ordinary men, the Lord knows and makes them to know that they are but dust. Well, this brings us to the fourth one, and it's to position us, uniquely so, to comfort others. I would submit that we really don't earn the right to speak into someone's life unless and until we've gone through what they're dealing with. I think about when our daughter Noel died. As painful, as hard, as difficult as that was. One of the hardest, really the hardest things that we ever went through. And at the time, I I mean I knew about 2nd Corinthians 1. I'll read verses 3 through 7. I knew about this passage, but I never really lived it. And it wouldn't be until after, and having been on the receiving end of God's amazing grace, and comfort, and compassion, and healing, I would not have been able to minister to the many who had also lost children, because what am I going to say to them? How am I going to be able to speak into their lives and encourage them? I mean, I've not ever experienced what they're experiencing. Well, listen to what Paul says. He says, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you, this is key, patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our suffering, so also you share in our comfort. You know, sometimes God will allow the trial, the storm, the affliction, because He's preparing us for that which He's preparing for us, namely that of somebody that we will yet future minister to and encourage and comfort with the comfort that we ourselves received when we went through that same trial. Well this brings us to the last one, and certainly last but not least, and it's the one that I want to spend the remainder of our time on, because to me this is, well let me say it this way, the main reason why I believe that this crisis has been allowed by the hand of Almighty God, a loving God, has allowed this and I think this is one of the main reasons for such a time as this. It's to point us, maybe better said redirect us to the glory that awaits us in heaven. In my life trials have taught me that one second of life in heaven is worth infinitely more than one life of suffering here on earth, not even worthy to be compared. The trials of this life, the storms in this life, not even worthy to be on the same scale to be compared with the glory that awaits. It's my belief, and again it's in my own experience that God oftentimes will allow the storm to hit, the crisis, the affliction, the hardship, to loosen our ever tightening grip on this world and the things of this world to ready us and to steady us for what awaits us in glory. And here's the thing, and I mentioned it earlier were it not for the suffering here on earth, we're not going to look forward to the glory in heaven. When things are going well down here, heaven is not as, how do I say it? We don't want it as much as we do when things here on earth are hard. When things are good down here, there's... There's really no urgency when it comes to heaven. I think of that hymn, that timeless classic hymn of old, turn your eyes upon Jesus. As the hymn goes, when you turn your eyes upon Jesus, the things of earth, I love this, will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Romans chapter 8. I love this chapter. I've said it often that if you ever doubt the love that God has for you, the plan that God has for you, you really need to spend some time in this particular chapter in the book of Romans, Romans 8. Especially if the enemy has built an infrastructure of guilt and condemnation in your life, and he continually condemns you and distances you from God and the love of God. Verse 1 of Romans 8 starts right out of the chute, Paul saying, by the Spirit there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no more guilt, there's no more condemnation, and and He loves you so much, nothing and no one can separate you from the love that God has for you. Neither height, nor depth, nor angel, nor principality, nor powers of darkness, nor any created thing. No thing can separate you from the love that God has for you. And of course, that famous verse, Romans 8, 28, Paul says, for we know that God works all things together for the good. One of the things that is becoming abundantly clear in this crisis is that God is bringing much good out of something that by any stretch of the imagination is really, really bad. So he says, In verse 16, listen, the Spirit Himself, speaking of the Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Did you know that you're an heir? (laughs) Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in His listen, wait for it, (laughs) sufferings, in order that we may also share in His glory. And then he says this in verse 18, I consider, I've reconciled this, I've examined this, I've concluded this. What have you concluded, Paul? That our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. 2nd Corinthians again. Oh my goodness, 2nd Corinthians. Remember when we went through 2nd Corinthians, for those of you that were with us in our study through that book? Man, what a book, what a letter. Well in chapter 4 verses 7 through 12, Paul writes, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. And then he says, verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, verse 9, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. You might be feeling a lot like this that Paul lists here. I mean stressed, pressed, crushed, persecuted, abandoned, struck down, but God. You might be pressed, but not crushed. God won't allow it. Perplexed, but not in despair. God won't allow it. Persecuted, but not abandoned. God won't allow it. Struck down, but not destroyed. God won't allow it. God's going to have the final word. You know, again, going back to this study in Job, it is so interesting that God would only allow Satan to do so much. He could not do anything unless God first allowed him to do it to Job. Now that might send shivers up and down some of your spines, because as you know, in the first chapter of Job, Satan is there, has access apparently to the throne, and God's like, hey, what are, you, what are you doing? He says, well, I've just been kind of, you know, roaming around the earth and, you know, checking things out. And he said, well, did you happen to notice my servant Job down there? He says, oh, yeah, I did. He says, He's really a righteous man, isn't he? Yeah, he is. There's none like him. No, there's not. And then that's when Satan says, of course he's going to be like that. Look how you bless him. I'll bet you if you let me kind of mess with him a little bit, he'll curse you to your face. Well, God's like, okay. And he says to Satan, here's what you can do, but only that. Now here's where I'm going with this. God will never allow the enemy to do anything to us unless in the end it's for our good and His glory. You know how the book ends, how the story ends for Job? It was for God's glory and Job's good. As horrific as it was, as hard as it was, it was for God's glory and Job's good. And so too is this true for me and you. God will allow the hardship, the difficulty, the crisis. But in the end it will be for our good and God's glory. The last passage I want to share with you and then we'll close is also in 2nd Corinthians. And I wanted to end with this for a reason. It's chapter 4 verses 16 through 18. Paul says, it's, it's again the conclusion of the matter. I suppose you could say. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, (laughs) yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And then he says this, and I, I take issue with this, for our light and momentary troubles, light and momentary troubles, really light and momentary troubles, yeah our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal again turn your eyes upon Jesus because when you do the things of this temporal world that are seen will grow strangely dim and if this crisis has accomplished and is accomplishing anything it is this It is brought to the forefront The brevity of life, the reality of this fallen world, and the reality of eternity.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast east prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in inspiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at com. That's office at com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor JD and our church staff in your prayers. Asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.
1: La, la, la.